Welcome, friends. Welcome. Good to see you. Lou, how are you? Good to see you, too. That was a very good opening, by the way. You hit it perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. I'm learning. I'm learning. It's been 103 episodes, and I'm just starting to learn. No, no. <laughs> no well, we're changing things on you all the time, so you got to keep up. So, friends, welcome. Today, we're going to be doing the second last episode of uh, Chapter 9. And Lou has been kind enough to be with me throughout these 100-plus episodes, and so have you. So my my thanks to Lou and to, to all of you for joining and uh, being with us. This is uh, a pleasure for me to do. It wouldn't be a trip. It, we wouldn't be here if it weren't a pleasure for us, too. We've enjoyed it so, as well. So I'm sure I speak for everybody when we say thank you. I'm so glad. Mm -hmm. Thanks. So today we're going to be doing Chapter 9, verses 25 through 28. Next episode, we'll do the remaining uh, verses of uh, chapter 9, 29 through 34. And then I was discussing this with Lou, that we may choose to go directly to chapter 12 uh, and, and further, and then come back to 10 and 11 later for a number of reasons, mm -hmm. which I won't go into. Anyway, right. chapter 9, verse 25 says, those who worship the devas, devas is the small gods, uh, those who worship the devas, which really means the senses within us, go to the devas. Those who worship ancestors, go to the ancestors. Those who worship the elements, go to the elements. And those who worship me, Brahman says, go to me. Now, all of this, these next few verses talk about our procedures, about devoting ourselves, praying to whoever we pray for, to. You know, right. different religions pray to different uh, things, different uh, entities. Um, and in the Hindu religion, as I've said before, there are multiple small gods, uh, each for whoever is interested in whatever. So somebody's interested in wealth, there's a goddess for wealth. Whoever is interested in studies, there's a goddess for studies. There's a God for success. There's a God for rain. There's a God for apartment buildings, to get an apartment. So you, you're focused on desperately wanting to get an apartment. Then there's a God for that. And you just pray. But essentially, you're praying to Brahman. And what mm -hmm. Brahman says is, I portray myself as all these little gods. These are devas. And in this verse, all these verses are basically telling you how to worship, how to get to Brahman, whether whatever religion one practices and what the significance is. I found these quite helpful. So devas mean, in this sense, not only the gods like Ganesh, Lakshmi, Saraswati, etc., but also it refers to the senses. Because as we've said before, the senses are the ones that illumine the perception. So through the senses, through the eyes, the nose, the ears, the tongue, we... Uh, feel something, we perceive something, and it illumines a perception, which then goes to consciousness, and consciousness, we're saying, is the equivalent of Brahman, that that is really where God is, that within us, each one of us, that's Brahman, that's God. And those who worship the devas, or those who worship the sensual pleasures, they're constantly thinking about their sense pleasures, they become, they reach those pleasures. If you worship the senses constantly, you think of the senses, you become a very sensual person is what this verse is saying. Those who worship the ancestors. Ancestors not doesn't mean just my grandfather, great-grandfather and stuff like that. 
Ancestors means all ancient traditions, cultures. Some people are there fixated on the ancient, ancient scriptures, which we're doing, but ancient scriptures, ancient traditions, ancient culture, those who worship those essentially by the end of their life become almost like those traditions and cultures is what he's saying. Uh, because they're constantly thinking of their ancestors and traditions and cultures. Those who worship the Bhutas, which are the elements, the elements that, that are all around us, magnesium, calcium, phosphorus, metal, you know, stone. He says, those refer to nature. So elements refers in essence to nature, like scientists, like natural naturalists, whatever that word is. Those who consistently think about nature, um, they get close to the elements and to nature. But those who worship me, which is Brahman, get to be self-realized or self-developed. So basically, this is telling us, this verse, that as you think, so you become. Mm -hmm. Whatever you think of, whatever you're constantly focused on. We, we talked about this at length when we were talking about the last thing you think of when you die, that's where you end up. Now, a lot of people think that they can do bad things their whole life. And just when they're on their last breath, they just say God's name and they're going to read. No, what that means is your whole life sort of floods before you. And whatever you've been thinking about all your whole life is sort of imprinted as your um, subtle body leaves the gross body. As you think, so you become. That carries over into the next life. So whatever your subtle body is, when you're thinking a certain way, if you're a very sensual person, you're going to be born in the next life as a sensual person. So you've seen twins being born. One is a very sensitive, sweet child, very giving, very mm -hmm. spiritual. And the other is very sensual, very selfish. Those are, even though genetically they may be the same, their subtle body comes with baggage from the previous life, good or bad. And so how, how does one change? The question is, all of this is well and good. And you may say, well, okay, fine, that's great. But how do I change that? What do I do? And the secret is, according to the Gita, is knowledge. Just being aware of this. You don't, the beauty of this is nowhere in the Gita does it say you have to do rituals. You have to give up this. You have to give up that. You have to get up nothing. It just says, listen imbibe, concentrate on what you learned, go back and forth, ask questions, say what is right about this. All you do is get knowledge. What, mm -hmm. does, what does that do? Knowledge changes the thinking. So you remember our formula that thoughts give rise to desires. When you think of something, think of something, think of something, it gives rise to a desire to do that thing. Right. And when you have a desire, that desire gets larger and larger and leads to action. And that action then leads to further desires and becomes a vicious cycle, which goes from one life to the next. So he says the first thought is, first step is knowledge. If you gain the knowledge as you're doing now, then your thinking changes. And as your thinking changes, your desires change. And as your desires change, your actions change. So next verse is um, those who worship the little devtas with limited understanding, they also attain those devtas. Um, sorry, 
So that's verse 25. There's nothing major in that. He says, those who worship bhutas, matter, elements, prayt, pishacha, those who worship matter become matter. Mm -hmm. Verse 26 says, with devotion, a devotee offers me a leaf, a flower, a fruit, water. I accept all these offerings. Now, this brings up a very important part, which is the importance of devotion to the item, the, the entity that you're praying to, devotion. And right. what is that we'll talk about. And it brings up effort, self-effort. So anything that you do, whether you go to medical school, you can say, listen, I am going to be devoted to God. I'm going to pray, God, please allow me to get good marks on my exam and pass. But if you don't study, do right. don't put in the self-effort, all your prayers are going to be for naught. On the other hand, if you put in a lot of effort, but there's no humility, no devotion, no dedication to your teachers, to your studies, etc., it shows when you have the exam, you're sitting in front of the examiner, it shows that you might be an arrogant kind of person and it affects your studies to some extent. So in this, he says, devotion and self-effort, striving for hard work go together. So that's what this verse is saying. So if you wish to succeed in anything, you have to be devoted and you have to strive. So you go to sports, for instance. It's not just studying and playing the sport. You have to be devoted to a higher cause that helps you to do the rigors that it takes to practice that sport. You've got right. to fast, you've got to watch your diet, you can't go to parties, you can't you know, stay up late at night. You have to do all of that. That's all dedication too. If you, for instance, if you dedicate your actions to your teacher, how you dedicate, your teacher recognizes that you're dedicated. Your employer, you're dedicated not just to hard work, but you're devoted to the company, to your employer. You, that dedication is sensed. So your employer, your teacher, it shows. And when that happens, you also become devoted to the company, to the country, for instance, a soldier. Right. Devoted, self-effort, and you're willing to sacrifice. That brings up another word, sacrifice yourself for that cause, for the teacher, for the education, for the employer, for the country, and there's a million more. We all recognize this when it comes to loved ones. Because love is the one place where you're willing to sacrifice. That We'll talk about that some more. So you know, when it comes to your children, you say, you know what? I, I will kill myself for that. You know, I'll give my right arm for this. Right. What that means is your love, your dedication to your children is so great that you'd give your right arm for that. If somebody said, listen, you do this, give me your right arm and I will do this for your child. You say, fine, take it. That dedication is what he's talking about. Ultimately, you're willing to sacrifice your mind, your body, and your whole spirit. That is devotion, that bhakti. Just to say I love you is not enough. The ability to sacrifice, and that's basically what this, this verse is. When he says, give me a leaf, give me a flower, give me a fruit, give me water, I will accept it from you. He's basically talking about sacrifice. When, when in India we used to go to temples, it's traditional to bring some, some offerings with you. Now, a lot of people say, 
uh, there's five coconuts here. Shake <laughs> it. Which one looks the oldest? I'll take that. These, these bananas are overripe. Let me take those. They're getting spoiled anyway. That's not a sacrifice. A sacrifice has to be something that is of value to you. You've got to feel the pinch. Only then it really seems like it's a sacrifice. And the ultimate sacrifice is sacrifice of your own ego. Your own ego says, me, me, me. This is mine. This is mine. That has to be sacrificed. That mindness. I am the greatest. I, me. That has to be sacrificed. In Sanskrit, this nothing is mine means nirmama. Nirmama. Nothing is mine. Mm-hmm. And I, my ego is nothing is nirahankar. Ahankar is arrogance, ego. So um, the ultimate sacrifice is the sacrifice of your ego. Remember that the ego will not sacrifice for anything, will not bow its head to anything except if it's for love and for fear. So mm-hmm. somebody says, you will do this, otherwise I'm going to chop off your head. You say, fine, you're the boss. I, you know, Whatever you want, I'll do. So fear and love. Whatever I have, you say, belongs to God. That's the kind of love, devotion that the temple, the Brahman is saying you have to have if you really want to get to self-realization. Whatever I am, I am yours. So whatever is the culmination of bhakti or devotion is offering our whole selves to Brahman, God. That's when we become one with God. In our other WhatsApp group, somebody said, you know, about self-realization. I think that in my lifetime, I don't even aspire to self-realization. I think if I'm just a little bit more self-developed, I'll be very happy. So even to become self-developed, not to become one with God, if I start offering everything to God that I do without, without a question about what's in it for me, nothing about this is mine, this is me, I'm great, then and only then can you become self-developed. So what did we say here, summarizing, because this is a very important verse? One is gratitude. You have to be grateful for what you're getting. You're getting so much. You know, Brahman doesn't say, look, you're breathing oxygen every time. I'm going to charge you one cent for every minute that you breathe. Nothing. (laughs) It's for free. Your digestion, your vision, you can see all this beauty around you. Nobody says, hey, this is how much I'm going to charge you for that. That humility has to come about because of the gratitude. First, you're grateful to Brahman for everything that Brahman has provided. Then that produces humility. You recognize your own insignificance, how small you are, not even as big as an atom in the whole scheme of things. The totality of the magnificence of Brahman, you recognize that you're nothing. That then produces humility in you. It's very important to come down from your arrogance down to being humble. Then you surrender to that magnificence, to that greatness, to that totality. And then you become devoted. Therefore, you have no arrogance within you. That takes a while. That offering, whatever you give off yourself, has to be of some value. Now, if you act, sacrifice your whole ego, your whole possessions, your whole attitude, that is a sacrifice. So that's very necessary. That develops humility. So that's verse 26, friends. Now we'll go to 27 and then 28. Short uh, episode today. So 26, 
um, oh, to finish that, uh, the offerings of leaf, flower, water, etc., have no meaning. You know, it belongs to God. God made these leaves. Sure. Right. Brahman made the leaf. Made it's only a symbol of your devotion, you of your bhakti, of your striving self. The offering is symbolic of surrender and devotion. It gives you humility. Humility is necessary to practice spirituality. In the books, in Swami Parthasarthi's book, it says a leaf signifies action. So you're devoting all your actions to Brahman. The flower signifies your vasanas and desires. And here you're saying, I'm giving you all my desires. I want none of them. The fruit is the fruit of all your vasanas and desires. Then when you offer bananas, apples, whatever, you're offering that. And the water represents your whole body because your whole body is mostly water. Um, Krishna says you have to be devoted, bhakti, and you have to be striving. Uh, that, that in Sanskrit says prayatat manaha. And Krishna says that is something Brahman will not do for you. You have to do those two things, bhakti and striving for yourself, by yourself. Um, so the offering of these leaves, flowers, money, cash, you know, please, God, get my daughter married and I'll give you, you know, so much money. That's all a, to develop a feeling of gratitude, of humility and to surrender. So when you offer something of value, of value to yourself, you develop that feeling of humility, otherwise not. So verse 27 says, whatever you do, and this is the importance of devotion, right? Verse 27 talks about the importance of devotion. It says, the essence of bhakti or devotion is that whatever you do, you do it as if you're doing it for a higher uh, entity, such as Brahman. Whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you offer, whatever you give, whatever austerity you practice, offer it to me. Not in return to say, give me this or give me that. This is just, I do it because I do it for you. I think all religions practice that, to yep. say, just focus on devotion and doing it for me as an offering. Offer all your daily actions as an oblation to God. Whatever you do, from the moment you wake up, when we were children, we were taught that when you wake up, you thank God for just being awake for being able to see, for being alive. Offer for your first meal, you offer thanks. For your second meal, you offer thanks. For throughout the day, you're constantly offering your actions, your devotion, your feelings, everything to God. But instead, most of us have a tendency to only seek immediate goals. Now, one of us may be more body-oriented, one is more mind-oriented, and one is more intellect-oriented. So to the one who is looking for material ends, which is the body-oriented person, does has to do karma, karma yoga, something to do, some action. And that helps him to bind his wishes for material ends. The one who is more mind-oriented, more emotions, to gain mental peace, he has to do bhakti yoga, more devotion. For one who is more intellectually oriented to get that intellectual satisfaction, he has to gain knowledge. And that's what we are doing today. To do this, we, we gain the knowledge for the intellect. Verse 28 says, this is the importance of effort and action together. Thus, he who performs his actions, dedicating everything to me, 
he becomes free from karma bandhana. Karma bandhan is the bondage of action. So when you do an action, you get bound by that action. You get bound because you're looking for results from that action. You're looking for to get a fruit from that action. And this whole world, this whole samsar is all about karma bandhan, being bound by your actions. Our thoughts lead to desires. Our desires compel us to act. And that is the karma. Act means karma. Act to gain fulfillment of those desires throughout life, not just once or twice, but throughout life, you're acting to get fulfillment of those desires throughout life. Not only that, but even after death, those desires persist so that when you're reborn again, the same thing, not in the first year, second year, third, but generally after adolescence is when this personality really manifests itself. And the vasanas prompt us to be born again and to keep doing what we did in this life. So that's the catch that you just have to try and change in this lifetime your knowledge so that you gain the uh, thought process change, which gains the change of the desires and changes your actions. So if you do good um, thoughts, you get good action. If you do good results, you get good results. But if you get bad thoughts, and you do evil things, more evil meaning bad meaning selfish, um, you get that. You, and, and you should do what you ought to do. Keep that in mind. Nothing is good, all good, or nothing is all bad. But if you do what you ought to do without regard to what am I getting out of this, and nothing for yourself but for others, you get the results that you're looking for. So sannyasa yoga means yoga of renunciation. So actions bound by good motives give good results. Actions bound by evil motives get evil results. Just renounce all good and evil motives and direct your actions and your thoughts and your desires selflessly towards Brahman. You reach Brahman is basically what you're saying. So attach yourself to the higher. You know, people often think, how can I get rid of my lower thoughts, my lower desires, my lower actions, all selfless. You can't do anything. This is the important part that many religions say, if you do this, practice this, do this ritual, do this punishment or whatever, you will get it. No, you have to reach higher in order for the lower to drop out. So it's like a ladder. You want to climb the ladder? You take your foot off the lower rung, you put it on the higher, the lower drops off automatically. Similarly, as you start getting interested in something higher, your interest in the lower just automatically drops off. You don't have to do anything. So that's where we are today. Luke? It's, it sounds to me like uh, the important message here is uh, everyone knows about the importance of big sacrifice and big dedication and big devotion, but doing it on a day-to-day -day basis, on a moment-to-moment -moment basis with every action you take, including it in there, is what gets you there. Not necessarily the bigger goals and the bigger dedication and devotion, just in each thought and each action that you do. Absolutely true, that you have to become a better person. Not just uh, so true because a lot of people say when I go to temple, you come out and you say, okay, here's five rupees to you, five rupees to you, which is meaningless to you. Five rupees is like five pennies. Right. It really means nothing. And they say, okay, I did my good deed. And then they go back to being their conniving, manipulating, evil kind of person during the rest of the day. What 
it, it, what, what you're saying is not just one good thing, but throughout, make yourself a decent person. When you leave the temple and you go to work, maintain that. The next customer that walks in, the next client that walks in, the next patient that walks in, keep this clearly in mind that you want to be a good person. You want to do good things to this person. It's not just how much money he will pay you, but just do what you have to. And I promise you, the money will not just flow, but it'll come like a waterfall because people are dying for these kind of uh, treatment. And if you don't seek the money and the rewards, not just money, but rewards, fame, popularity, it will just come to you in barrels. Um, so you're right, Lou. Excellent. All right, uh, head on over to Gita Memoirs of a Psychiatrist on Facebook for past video episodes here. And of course, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all the podcast outlets, you can find them there as well. And we'll see Thank you next you. time. Thank you so much. Take care.